I'm Steph. And I am Emma. And this is... I don't believe it. That's been in my head for like three days straight. Uh, Sophie at Book Club was saying that she really likes it. Say, hey, Book Club, by the way. Oh, hi, hi. Sheba says hi too. Hi, Sheebs. What you doing? You're so cute. Boop. Got your boops on the snoots. <laughs> right. Time for a beer. Give if me you don't a beer. So one of them I know you already like, but it's it's a Goldie. Um, you can probably it's guess who? what it is. It's a Goldie. A Goldie? Yeah. What does that mean? Like a, a good one. Oh. Is that what the youth are saying these days? It's like oldie but goldie, but it's not necessarily I've an never oldie. even heard that. You've never heard oldie but goldie? No. Are you joking? No. You're an oldie but goldie. Oh, cheers, babes. I'm okay. starting to think it's not a good thing. <laughs> okay. Maybe I should have made this decision before. Just give me a beer. Okay, okay well, we'll go with the one we already know. Okay. Uh, because it's gorgeous and it's sunny. This is the OG... This is Steph's absolute mm, fabric. Mm, 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 mm. Shindigger. Shindigger. Mango Unchained. Manny's go Excuse my yucky nails. I had a bit of a mare at the Download Festival. <sighs> Man, I love Mango Unchained. I'm excited about so this. <laughs> Yummy. Hi, Cherub. So, um, Shindigger, I believe they are a Manchester brewery, aren't they? Indeed, yes, doody. Salford. It's a session IPA, 4.2%. It's called Mango Unchained, um, and it's bloody gorgeous. It's fucking delightful, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Shindigger was founded in 2013 by two mates selling homebrew at a student house party parties in Manchester. Now, BF! <laughs> Our ethos is the same today as it was back then, making good times better with fresh, tasty beers. Go on, guys. Manchester's got it going on, hasn't it, beer-wise? Mm. Right. Right, left. Just... Okay, if you like, whatever. <laughs> you know, you do you. <laughs> I see it's going to be one of those kind of days. Yeah. Okay. So, today, in celebration of Pride Month, and mm-hmm. uh, when this episode comes out, it will be exactly 54 years after the event. Uh, we're going to be talking about a story that's been told many, many times before. You know it. I know it. Probably the listeners already know it. But it's a story that deserves to be told and retold. So today I am going to tell you the story of the Stonewall Riots. Mm-hmm. Those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. Lovely. Mm. So we start our story on June 28th, 1969 at the Stonewall Inn on Christopher Street in Greenwich Village, New York. The bar was owned and operated by the Genovese crime family who ran it as a gay bar despite it being illegal to engage in quote-unquote homosexual acts. Which actually includes dancing or even holding hands with somebody of the same sex, which is fucking ridiculous. Not so. Um, it was illegal to employ gay staff, and it was in- illegal to serve gay customers. Now I'm not really sure how you, how you're, what you're asking people to get the gay cards out, like to prove that they're straight or what. Like, how are you? I don't know, because I mean, my gay dial is completely off. <laughs> I right. guess you just have to be very toned down, wouldn't you? That's fucked up, though. It is fucked up. Even to have gay, like to have gay staff, like come on. Anyway, so because it it was um, illegal to engage in homosexual acts and to be served if you were gay, 
people would flock to bars where they knew it was like safe to be the, their authentic selves. Mm-hmm. And the mafia saw this as a great opportunity to make money. So they operated gay bars across Greenwich Village um, where they could basically water down the alcohol. They could have toilets overflowing, no running water, and nobody would say anything because they were all there illegal, illegally anyway. Yeah. So the, Storm, the Stonewall Inn was one of these mafia-owned bars, and it was particularly popular because it was one of the only gay clubs that actually allowed dancing. Most places wouldn't even allow dancing. Oh, really? And it catered to queens and trans uh, patrons who weren't really welcoming the other gay uh, pubs and clubs in town. Mm. Um, and I'm going to come back to this bit a bit, a bit later. Um, so the mafia would bribe the police to kind of ignore what was happening at the club, but the police had still to kind of keep up appearances, so they would still raid gay bars from time to time. But they'd tip off the bar owners, and they'd do it fairly early in the evening, so right. the bar could, like, open again after the raid had happened, and they right, could right. still make their money, okay? So before we get to the night in question, I've got to kind of set the scene for you, so you can understand the sort of general level of discrimination that was kind of normal at this time. Yeah. Now, I can't remember if I kept this bit, Right. Do you remember in the Satanic Panic episode, episode one, Mm -hmm. uh, we were talking about kind of um, general hysteria that was happening in the the US at the time. And I can't remember if I mentioned McCarthyism or if I took it out because I thought it would be a bit too, like, too complicated for the episode. I don't know. You're looking at me like you don't. Right. Okay. So very briefly then, McCarthyism came out in the 50s in America and it was an attempt to flush out communists during the Cold War. So they were really worried that communist sympathisers would just be acting as spies for the Soviet Union um, in government. Mm. And this led to people being rounded up and questioned about their their general beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, government employees were questioned about their, their loyalty and stuff like that. Um, and it's called McCarthyism because it's named after Senator Joseph McCarthy, piece of shit, who <laughs> basically accused anyone who he felt like um, he'd accuse him of being disloyal, particularly anyone who would disagree with his political views. Right. Sound familiar? Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so this led to a kind of a sense of fear and distrust in the country. People believing all kinds of weird fucking crazy shit, like including that people were taking part in ritualistic satanic abuse. Mm-hmm. And anyone could level accusations at anyone. And it wasn't just federal employees who were being rounded up and questioned about their loyalties. J. Edgar Hoover, who was at the time the director of the FBI, equated protest with communism. So anyone with kind of left-leaning politics might be accused of being a communist. He even accused Martin Luther King of being a communist and like had him under surveillance and put pressure on him and stuff. That's fucking mental. Politicians were scared to speak out against all this hysteria for fear of being labelled a communist themselves. And people lost their jobs, they were alienated from their friends and family, and in the case of our story today, discrimination was allowed to run rife through communities. Mm. So parallel and contributing to McCarthyism is what they call the Lavender Scare, which is the kind of moral panic about gay people working in government. So it led to... Oh, shit, so the government were panicking that they might have gays amongst them. Yeah, they were worried that that if somebody was gay and they worked in government, they'd be at risk of uh, being bribed or they were somehow equated with communism by McCarthy. Um, right. So it led to the mass dismissal of gay people from the from the workforce. Right, okay. So is that why they made it illegal for gay people to be employed? Uh, yeah, and they weren't allowed in the army or anything like that. Like There was a mass exodus from the army. They said that some people used it as a good excuse not to go to Vietnam as well because right. they were just like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm gay. Mm. I can't, so I can't be in the military. You don't want me. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so because homosexuality was somehow equated with communism, 
it created this sort of government-sanctioned discrimination and it normalised the persecution of gay people in society. So that's kind of the backdrop of where we are. It's fucking heartbreaking, isn't it? I can't believe that, like, I can't believe that, that was actually a thing. Like, and it, just because one man's an asshole. Yeah, but, mm, yeah, it's not necessarily just because one man's no, an asshole. No, no, but he was the driver of it. Yeah, there was already discrimination against, like, for religious reasons and of other course, reasons. yeah, yeah. It's just that he's taking it as an excuse to fucking be hateful and it, it yeah. angers me. And yeah. what's most annoying is it's happening all over again. Yeah, like the Trump loyalists and stuff there, or you know, and Florida with the no, don't say gay law and stuff like that. It's all oh fucking God. happening and again. Drag becoming uh, illegal. Yeah. In, is it Texas? Oh God. Um, because it, that it's it's confusing the kill the, the children the children trans people are struggling the most at, yeah, yeah. at the mm-hmm. moment I, from from what I can see anyway, um, particularly those of color. Yeah. And to be like told that how you feel and who you are is is not valid or mm. not okay is just like especially by a fucking ignorant cunt who has never had that kind of struggle exactly, yeah. fucking it's always the white men in it mm. and also like wh- how fragile is your ego the, yeah. the way someone dresses offends you that much why does it bother you live and let live like get over let yourself be who they want to be like no one's stopping you being who you want to be mm. Like, Maybe oh, somebody should. Who you want to be, like, who you are. Like, no one's stopping you being mm. who you are. Just makes me angry, you know? Yeah. I getcha. Well, this is gonna, this whole episode's going to make you angry, mm-hmm. really, but... Oh, no, I'm well aware. But we <clears> need <throat> to be angry. We need we to do be angry. We do need to be angry, yeah. So, back to the Stonewall, then. Mm-hmm. So, despite um, the Mafia bribing the police, the police still raided the Stonewall in for the second time in a few days... And it was much later than the usual raids and they'd had no tip-off at all. Right. So 205 people were in the club at the time and the standard procedure was um, for people to be lined up and asked to show their ID. Female officers would take people who were dressed in traditionally feminine clothes into the toilets and make them show them their sex. to, And if they were found to have male genitalia but was wearing feminine women's clothes then they'd be arrested oh my god that is it's it you you you're accusing someone of of a crime when you're committing a crime Mm, yourself yeah you're supposed to be the law and you're forcing someone to expose themselves to you that is every level of wrong and the other thing they were doing as well with the lesbians is they they knew they were lesbians and they were, they were just groping them and assaulting them basically while they were like patting them down and stuff like that. It's truly disgusting. Mm. Truly disgusting. So this night though, people, they weren't having it. They refused to go into the toilet mm. and they refused right. to show their ID. So p- police decided to separate people into those who were being arrested and those that weren't. And they allowed those who weren't being arrested to leave out the front door while they waited for uh, more patrol cars to turn up to take away the people that they had arrested and all of the alcohol that they'd seized in the bar. So the people who'd been sent out the front door to leave, they didn't leave. They actually stopped outside and they waited with some other onlookers. Um, And, of course, they were telling those onlookers what had happened in Mm -hmm. the club. So at this moment, there's kind of a bit of a sarcastic kind of atmosphere. So people are, like, mock-saluting the police. They're sort of booing and cheering, depending on what was going on. Mm. Um, A person in drag was hitting an officer over the head with their handbag. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. You can visualise it, can't you? (laughs) Uh, 
Uh, people are shouting gay power. The mafia are getting arrested. It's all going on. But as it all goes on, the crowd are getting more and more angry, of course. Yeah, of course. I've got this image in my head. I know you won't know who it is, but there's a drag queen that won one of the seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race. I think it was like seven, maybe seven or eight. Anyway, so Bob the Drag Queen. That's, that's, <laughs> that's such Bob a the good name. And made a purse, and she was always like, walk into the club purse first. And I've just got an image of Bob the drag queen just fucking smacking with this shitty purse that she's made out of, like, curtains or something. Aww. Just got this image of her, like... Because she, she does protest a lot, oh, Bob the yeah, drag queen. Yeah. I think you'd like... Because mostly a comedian, Bob is. Okay, so I think, yeah. you, I think you'd enjoy it. So the catalyst for the riot seems to be when a woman was hit over the head with a baton by police and she shouted at onlookers to just fucking do something. Like, mm. why are you just standing there? Do something. So they did. So they started to throw coins, bottles and, like, whatever they could find nearby at the offices. Mm. There was a suggestion in the crowd that maybe the police had raided because they hadn't been paid off. So somebody shouted, well, let's pay them off then. And they all started chucking change at the police and stuff. The police try to keep the crowd back. So as they're doing that, it actually they're just assaulting the people more. So, like, people are getting more and more angry. Some of the police fucked off with their detainees as the crowd grew to around 500 people now. Bloody hell. And the rest of the police, ironically, barricaded themselves, along with their detainees, inside the stone wall for safety and protection. So they can go and invade somebody else's safe space mm-hmm. and then, then they need to hide there themselves. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's sounding a lot to me like um, the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. Like people, well, I suppose maybe it's Stonewall. They weren't being peaceful, but like the police just fucking doing whatever they Well, they, did, the, feel they do, don't necessary, they? Yeah. Particularly at this time. Yeah. Mm. Whatever they want is, the, is what they do. So Michael Fader, who was in, he was somebody who was in attendance that night, he said, quote, We had a collective feeling like we'd had enough of this kind of shit. It wasn't anything tangible anyone said to anyone else. It was just kind of like everything over the years had come to a head on that one particular night, in the one particular place, and it was not an organised demonstration. Everyone in the crowd felt that we were never going to go back. It was like the last straw. It was time to reclaim something that had always been taken from us. All kinds of people, all different reasons, but mostly it was total outrage, anger, sorrow, everything combined, and everything just kind of ran its course. It was the police who were doing most of the destruction. We were really trying to get back in and break free, and we felt that we had freedom at last, or freedom to at least show that we had that we demanded freedom. Yeah. We weren't going to be walking meekly into the night and letting them shove us around. It's like standing your ground for the first time and in a really strong way, and that's what caught the police by surprise. There was something in the air, freedom, a long time overdue, and we were going to fight for it. It took different forms, but the bottom line was we weren't going to go away, and we didn't, end quote. I love that. Mm. Do you know about the, like, Friends of Dorothy? I know the term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you know why they do it? No. So, like, back back in, like, the same sort of time, mm. um, when they had, like, meetings and stuff with gay people, mm-hmm. like, they, when they'd organise stuff, um, they put Friends of Dorothy, so, like, Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, um, oh, I forget her name, what's her name? The actress, oh my god. Oh, um... Oh, fucking hell. In it. Cause it Ju- Why have you done this to me? Ju- Judy Garland. Judy Garland, that's mm. the one. Yeah, so she she was an advocate for the oh. gay community. So um, they, they, if you saw another person that was gay, they'd say, are you a friend of Dorothy? Oh, my god. And that's gosh. how they'd communicate and find each other. Which I think is really cute. I, I absolutely love that. Love that. Mm. That's so cute. I think cute. it's well cute. Mm. 
the Stonewall was set on fire at this point as mm-hmm. well. They don't know who set the fire. Some people say it was the police. Some some say they saw someone with lighter fluid. But someone started a fire anyway. The demonstrators managed to break into the building and it was at this point the police started pointing the guns at people. Mm. The riot police arrived to free the other officers that were stuck in the Stonewall and people started getting rounded up and arrested. The police formed a line to try and push the protesters back. So in retaliation, the protesters formed a kick line. Do you know what a kick line is? Like, you know... Oh, like the can-can. Yeah, yeah. So they formed a kick line. (laughs) (laughs) And they started singing made-up songs to, like, further mock the police. Have some of that. (laughs) (laughs) Dickhead. Isn't that so good? Yeah. (laughs) Let's be flamboyant about it. (laughs) Let's really get under their skin. Imagine Not only are we beating them, but we look fabulous doing it. Isn't it? I love that so much. (laughs) Sorry, sheep. Hi, baby. So by about 4am they'd, they'd almost cleared the street. So we're talking like two and a half hours after the raid happened. So it went on, you know, went on for yeah. quite a good time. In the end, 13 people were arrested and a number of people were hospitalised, but everybody was angry. Mm. The patrons were angry and sick of being treated less than, and the police were angry because they'd been humiliated by those on the fringes of society. And the mafia was angry because they seized their alcohol. <laughs> yeah, they probably were very fucking yeah, and angry. And they're fucking, the pub's on fire. <laughs> who the fuck did this (laughs) maybe it was the mafia that just came back with like a a bottle you know the way you set fire to the rag that's in the bottle and then you throw a cocktail that one yeah Mm. maybe Maybe. they did that and they were like hey guess what make this funny fire (laughs) Uh, many of the rioters met up in Christopher Park afterwards to talk about what happened and there's actually now a monument there to commemorate Mm -hmm. the Stonewall riots which is really cute Uh, someone had called the press during the riots so three outlets had coverage of it and all the next day, people would show up just to look at the burned-out building and talk about what happened. Graffiti appeared on the building, like, showing support for gay rights and accusing the police of violations. People were out and proud in the streets. They were not hiding away in dingy bars anymore. And that night, there was further rioting. Yeah. So there were more kick lines, more fires were set, and there was just kind of generalised destruction. Thousands of protesters this time gathered against hundreds of police. And any time someone was arrested, the crowd would, like, force the police back so that they could regain that person again. And the battle continued again until around 4am. Mm. There were further demonstrations over the next few days. Um, the Village Voice, which is, like, a news outlet in the area, they had offices across the street from this bar and they ran an article which called the protesters all kinds of shit, like, a, like really horrible names that I won't obviously say here. Um, so the protesters threatened to burn down the offices of the village voice. Nice. So all in all, the Stonewall riots lasted for six days. And it should be noted that prior to the Stonewall riots, there were actually other groups and organisations that had been picketing um, for change for years, but they were coming from more of like an assimilation kind of perspective. What does that mean? So they felt they were trying to make the point that we're no different from you. So ah. when they had protests, they had they said that the women had to wear traditionally female clothing. No one can be holding hands. Look how non-threatening we are. We're just like you. Yeah. You know? That's never going to work, though. It's not fair either. It's no. not fair. Like, um because so, you're still muting yourself. Exactly. Like changing exactly. what you wear yeah. and try, try and like conform to it. You're, exactly. you're still muting yourself. Mm. 
I understand that it's like it's a step in the right direction, but it it, it was never going to break barriers, and it it was never going to get you from under the foot. No. Never. Plus, fair, I mean, to be fair, fair play to them because they must have put a lot out on the line. To oh have yeah, done they that. were some of the bravest people. Yeah. Some of the first trying to they they literally put themselves out and in danger, knowing that it's illegal as well to try and get something for themselves, mm. even if it was still a horrible situation for them to have to live in Mm. um so some of these groups they felt really undermined by like the raucous kickline protests and they weren't happy at the beginning but other people were really inspired by the riots and they wanted to go for a more in your face you better believe we're here yeah kind of approach whether you like it or not exactly yeah and you'd better believe that i want another beer (laughs) (laughs) so this i got because it looks cool Okay, yep. Um, and I picked it up because he looks like an alien and I was going to bring it for the alien thing and oh. then I realised I don't bring the beers when I tell the story. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> so, <lie. laughs> we've got it for this time. It is called Phantasm of the Hoppera. Oh, like Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay. It's a New England Pale Ale and mm-hmm. it is by Mondo. Mondo? Yes. Right. So, they are... London! Oh, God, you scared me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a look. Let me know, book! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, you're so good at being northern. Oh, that is nice. That's a sw- swift right turn from the mango and chain, isn't it? Mm. This is why I couldn't decide whether to, which one to have first, but this is... this. I think we should I have expect- this first. Oh, really? Yeah. Why? Because the mango is more refreshing. Yeah, but then I thought because that's got more body, mm. I wouldn't be able to taste this as well. Oh, oh, she's good. You can tell you used to be a chef. She's good. It could be a palate cleanser, but we want to appreciate it. Right. So following the riot, the Gay Liberation Front was formed and they <laughs> they sent out a leaflet that had the headline, Do you think homosexuals are revolting? You bet your sweet ass we are. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <You get it? laughs> Um, three new newspapers were launched called Come Out, Gay Power and Simply Gay and the Gay Activist Alliance was formed out of the Gay Liberation Front so despite all of the activism, police raids on gay bars didn't stop Um, but obviously they're still trying to push back but they're not going to win now, they've realised they've lost the protesters didn't stop either no good and on the anniversary of the Stonewall riot the Christopher Street Liberation Day Parade was was held Simultaneous marches were held in LA, Chicago, and some cities in Europe, including London. Oh, cool. And these were the first gay pride events in history, and they've continued to grow ever since. Mm-hmm. Can we go to Manchester Gay Pride? Yeah, of course we can. I think it's in August. Yeah, definitely. I believe it's August. It's either July or August. Well, let's look at dates. When yeah, we, we'll look when at we dates. Yeah. And we can um, take videos and stuff for it, oh, and we can share it with you guys. Oh, we could share people's stories if they wanted to. Oh my god, that would be, be amazing. really cute, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, okay, I'd love that. Yeah. Although the Stonewall riot is considered a turning point in the fight for gay rights, there had been other riots and protests in the years leading up to it, which we should mention. So I'm going to name a couple of, of them now. So okay. there was the Cooper Donuts riot in LA in 1958, as early as 1958, Ooh. yeah. There was the 1961 Black Knight Brawl in Milwaukee, the Dewey's 1965 restaurant sit-in in Philadelphia, the 1966 Julius Tavern sip-in in New York, and the 1966 Black Cat Tavern protest in LA, 
and then the 1968 the patch bar protest the impact of the Stonewall riots was to put gay rights in front of thousands of people and into the media and therefore right out across the world. Mm-hmm. And so it was the scale of the riot that meant more people were galvanised all at the same time. Yeah. So the gay rights groups sprang up across all major cities as people kind of saw it as a call to arms. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that time it was largely focused on gay and lesbian rights. Bisexual rights got added later on, but trans rights were excluded for a really long time. Yeah. And you've probably noticed I haven't yet mentioned Marsha P. Johnson or Sylvia mm-hmm. Rivero. So um, that's because I wanted to come back to the Queens. Mm-hmm. Um, so Marsha P. Johnson was born 19, in 1945 in New Jersey to an African-American family, and she was the fifth of seven children. It's a lot of fucking kids. She started wearing female clothes at the age of five, which is so sassy. Can you imagine your five-year-old just being like, look... I know what I am, and mm-hmm. I'm just going to go I'm for it. I'm a fucking princess. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Um, but she felt compelled to stop because of bullying, and she was also sexually assaulted by a, a 13-year-old boy, Aww. which is fucking awful. So when she graduated high school, she noped it the fuck out of there, and she headed to New York, and she only had $15 to her name, but she could be her authentic self, and she was able to dress like however she wanted to, mm-hmm. and she started going by the name Marsha P. Johnson. And when she was asked what the P stands for, do you know what it stands for? What? Pay it no mind. Oh, nice. <laughs> so sassy. It's like RuPaul says, if the bitches ain't paying your bills, you pay them no mind. <laughs> oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Marsha had a really rough time in New York, though. It was illegal to be gay, as we said. Mm-hmm. And she found it really difficult to find work and housing. So she ended up um, engaging in sex work. And she was homeless for a while until she found work in drag shows. Sadly, a story for a, a lot, a Absolutely. lot of, of like gay youth. Um, and who, trans youth, yeah. particularly at that time yeah. as well. Especially like in New York, it was mm. really rife for it. Yeah. Because a lot of people had escaped there. So people exactly. knew where to find them. That's yeah. The thing. yeah. Um, so when she was there, she met Sylvia Rivera. Mm-hmm. Sylvia Rivera was born in New York in 1951. Her father had abandoned the family and her mother had committed suicide when she was three. So she was raised by her grandmother, who disapproved when she started wearing makeup and she would like beat her and stuff. Aww. So Sylvia left home at 10 years old and began living on the streets um, until she was taken in uh, by Marsha and other drag queens in the area. Sylvia says that Marsha taught, taught her to love herself and her identity and she was like a mother to her, which is super cute. It's fucked up that the streets to a 10-year-old is... You'd rather mm-hmm. risk being on the streets. Like, yeah. I know when I was 10, I did like... You know do you, you know Winnie the Pooh when he had the stick with all his belongings tied yeah. to the end? But, a bindle. Mm-hmm. I did one of them. I was going <laughs> to leave. I was going to leave. I've had enough of this. I packed nothing but toys, Lego... Like that was it. No, yeah. no clothes, nothing. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna do it. No, you're not. No, you're not. You've mm. got to be really fucking upset to actually leave. And that's such a child's mentality, isn't it? I'm mm. going. I'm gonna bring my toys. I'm gonna. But what Sylvia did was such an adult decision yeah. at ten years old. Yeah. And they they found her when she was doing sex work as well. She was a child doing sex work. I mean, what the fuck does that say about the people who are? who are, I don't I don't know what the word is, raping her, basically, because mm. she's a fucking child. I wonder if that's where drag mothers came from. 
Well, because that's the thing. Like when you put someone in drag for the first time, you're their drag mother. Like well, it's like a dynasty and a family. Because um, Sylvia does say that Marshall was like a mother to her, mm. and later on when they opened Star House, they were like the mothers to these all these kids that they looked after. So mm. it maybe maybe that's where it stems mm. from. It's a lot of you know what gets me is like. They were shown, like, no love, really. Actually, no, Marsha did get on well with the family, actually. Mm. But, say, Sylvia didn't. And, you know, Marsha faced all of this horrible, horrible violence against her. So she she didn't have a lot of love given to her. But they gave so much fucking love. Yeah. Like, that's incredible. It's quite often the case, though, isn't it? Like, you find your new family. Mm. Um, like, I remember watching Drag Race. One of the um, drag queens, uh, Dusty Ray Bottoms, she was telling a story about, like, so her parents were really religious mm. and they had her exercised. No. Mm-hmm. Like, it actually brings tears to my eyes, like, thinking oh about it. Oh, my God. Like, she's she, obviously, like, it's heartbreaking, like, when she's telling the story, but there was another drag queen where, I can't remember who it was now, um, but she had basically said to her family... Ah, it was Anitra. So she said to her her mum, like her mum was like, We know who you are, like we know what you are, it's fine, like you can come out. She came out, a week later she was cast out. What? She got kicked out. What like they tricked her or some shit? Well no, she I don't know if it was a trick or what, if it was I don't know, but she thought it's okay, my mum loves me anyway, and her mum changed her mind. I just don't know how you can't just be like, I don't give a shit, this is my kid. Yeah. I well, don't get it. I mean, I don't have children, so I don't know how, you know, obviously I don't know how it works, but I can't imagine no. ever loving somebody less Yeah. for just being truthful about who they are. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cute with Anitra. It's, um, so she didn't know her dad, and then after she was cast out by her mum, her dad's now her biggest fan. Oh, really? Yeah, so she's got a beautiful relationship with her dad now, but it just sucks that she doesn't have, like, her siblings anymore because oh. her mum won't, won't let her. Like and and that this is the most recent season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, shit. Like this, this is still very, very much happening. Like, it's Ugh. it's heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking. That's awful. That's the so most recent awful. winner is a trans queen. Like, yeah. I think the most recent three winners are trans queens. Oh. Actually, trans and, lives matter. And drag is such a massive part mm-hmm. of um of our culture now, isn't it? Yeah, it's great. yeah. Right, so on the night of the Stormwall riots, Marsha and Sylvia arrived at about 2am, so the kind of, it had already kicked off by mm-hmm. the time they arrived. Um, but like many of the other trans patrons on that night, they got stuck right in, they were the vanguard, yeah. they were like the front line of protecting the people in this handbag. <laughs> fucking handbag, yeah. <laughs> Get off my friend. <laughs> well, and, it, and I guess in some ways, they have more to lose because it's the, it's the only place that they can really go and feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, so you'd you'd want if that's your that's your home essentially, isn't it? Because mm. that's your where all of your people go, who all go to feel safe. Like lots of homeless youth would go there as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, even underage people, just because they were they were taken in, particularly by the drag queens. Mm. So you'd be like you'd feel like you were protecting your home, wouldn't you, from invaders? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely, especially when you know there's that many youth that are there. It's like. This, these youths can't be arrested. These are children. If they get chucked into mm. a cell, who knows what someone's oh, going to do to them. Yeah. So it's like, I will fucking bat you with my handbag if I have to. You're not touching them. You're not coming near my 
my kids, my family. Well, they did more now they were throwing bricks and shit as well. Yeah, so. nice. <laughs> <laughs> they found, like a construction site and like, hey, here's some handy bricks. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> Marsha apparently climbed up a lamppost at one point. She had a, like a heavy bag. I don't know if it had bricks in it or something. She climbed up this lamppost and then just dropped this bag onto a police car to fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> Um, right, so following the riots, um, things started to change for gay men and lesbians, and Marsha and Sylvia grew increasingly frustrated that trans people and people of colour were being left out of the movement, and they weren't even just being left out, they were they were kind of being shunned. Mm. Um, so in response to this, Marsha and Sylvia co-founded STAR, which stands for Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries, and the objectives of STAR were to support, clothe, advocate, and home uh, trans homeless youth and sex workers and they saved they saved up and they bought a house so they opened star house which was a place for kids for uh, who were from the street to come and have a roof over their, their heads and be safe oh i love that and marcia and sylvia would work the streets to pay the bills for the house so the kids didn't have to oh my god that's fucking it that choked me when i first read that that's like, literally oh. it it's fucking love like, There's nothing more you can give, I think, at no. that point. You have nothing else left to give. You've given everything. In their in their minds, we're going to have to do that anyway. So why should they have to do that? Yeah. If we can earn enough, like because we're going to have to do it anyway. And they'll know from their experiences as young people on the street as well. Because Marsha was 17 when she yeah. came to New York. Sylvia was fucking 10. Mm. They'll know how how it goes. That's such a beautiful thing to do for, for some, especially people you didn't know from Adam like yeah. it's beautiful it's it's not but it is do you know what I mean mm. no it is it is beautiful I think mm. yeah it shouldn't be that way but it's yeah, beautiful exactly um but sadly Star House was only open for just less than a year they couldn't afford to keep it open I think Sylvia had tried to speak on behalf of Star at the Christopher Street Liberation Day Parade in 73 and she was booed by the crowd there so she like she grabbed the mic and she started shouting about the people that were writing to her every week from prison for help in that the cisgendered white middle class, meaning the crowd, yeah, yeah, yeah. weren't doing a single thing to help them and that she and the other queens were on the front line mm-hmm. at, at the riot and f- since then to campaign for gay rights and they just felt completely betrayed and abandoned. Mm. So after this, they, they sort of switched their focus more towards achieving recognition for trans people, both amongst the gay liberation movement and in wider society. But unfortunately, activities slowed down and, and they eventually stopped. Mm. Sylvia left um, New York and moved upstate then. And she said, quote, we died in 1973, the fourth anniversary of Stonewall. That's when we were told we were a threat and an embarrassment to women because lesbians felt offended by our attire, us wearing makeup. It came down to a brutal battle on the stage that year at Washington Square Park between me and people I considered my comrades and friends, end quote. It's really sad. Imagine that, feeling that, that fucking let down. That angers me because exactly what has been done to you that you've been scrutinised for, you are now doing to other people. Exactly. And I don't know how people couldn't see that. No, I don't understand that. Like, I don't know, maybe part of it is desperation or we finally got some form of rights. We don't want to lose them because we're standing up for those. But they were standing up for you as well. They were standing in front of you. Yeah, mm. exactly. Well, the- it's so hypocritical. It baffles me a little bit. Well, there was um, there was a suggestion later on. So um, they were working to get some. I don't know what the American equivalent of acts through Parliament is, but yeah. um, 
a bill or I don't know. But yeah, I think it's a whatever bill. they're called in America. They were working to get um, something through that would protect um, the rights of people despite their sexual orientation. Mm. And um, they kind of removed the trans element from it so they could try and get it through, basically. And that was another thing that right. they really felt left let let down on. They were like, okay. No, it's I get all on that we're, no one. Like, uh, it's, well, that's it. Yeah, it? I know. But, like, if all of you stand up together, mm. like, as soon as you cut someone else out, or, like, mm. then you are just as bad as the people you you're fighting against. You can't step over someone else no. to get... No. And, no. and and that's easier said, you know, coming from a straight, cisgendered, white woman. That's, yeah. easy, that's easy to say, but... I know. I don't it's know. just it's just upsetting because because mm. of all the shit that they went through mm. that they were still willing to kick someone else underneath them mm. to get above. I, I don't know the struggles that they went through. I honestly I don't. So I can imagine there was probably a lot more behind it than just morality or what's course, ethically right. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's probably it's just hard to hear. There, yeah, isn't there? yeah. Well, it, it hit Sylvia really hard, and um, she attempted suicide. But Marsha oh. found her in time and, and managed to save her um but then sadly marcia was found dead in the hudson river in 1992 at age 46 the police ruled it a suicide but most people in the community do not believe that at all they think it was murder mm. um so they they also feel that the case wasn't properly looked into because it's the potential murder of a black trans woman so you know how it is unfortunately with the police i'm not gonna go oh, are you That's okay really upset me. oh i'm sorry that's okay. It's important that it gets talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to go into Marsha's death because it's, it's it could be an entire episode on its own and we don't do true crime here. Um, but the cause of death has been reclassified as undetermined and people are still fighting to have it reinvestigated. There's a documentary on Netflix called The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson, which uh, Martha P. Johnson, sorry, which um, kind of goes into their fight to try and get it recognised as murder. Marsha and Sylvia's legacy is that of fighting for the rights and protections of those that need it most. Their story is told and it's retold and they're remembered for their endless fight and spirit. Mm-hmm. It's great to see how far the world has come, but it's not everywhere and it's not far enough. And it's a shame they didn't get to see it. Yeah. According to Stonewall, um, less than half of LGBTQ people feel able to be honest about their sexual orientation or gender identity to everyone in their family. Half of black, Asian and minority ethnic LGBTQ plus people have experienced discrimination or poor treatment from others in their local LGBTQ plus community because of their ethnicity. Mm -hmm. 70 countries criminalise same-sex relationships. So we've come really far, but there's still so far to go. Well, Mm. there's a worrying trend around the world right now, though, of of rights being further curtailed, like we were talking about earlier in America. Yeah. And we all have a responsibility to stand up and say it's not okay. But we also need to be aware of what our own governments are doing and we need to take a leaf out of Marsha, Sylvia and the other patrons of the Stonewall's book and fight back. Yeah. And that is the story of the Stonewall in Riot and the legacy of Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. Sorry, it was a tough one this week. No, it's it's important. It's yeah. very important. Mm-hmm. That really got me that did at the end. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Like I say, it's important for it to be spoken about. Um, the more people who get upset about it, the better. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, it's it's certainly certainly something that I I I feel like I need to do more in. 
and it do you know what i feel like i don't know what to do either yeah. i don't know what's right to do i don't know if if there's a if there's a peaceful protest somewhere we go and join it i i would love for people to particular particularly people from the lgbtq plus community to tell me what what we can do what we can help. do as yeah. allies to yeah. help that would be really useful well maybe when we go to pride Mm. Uh, we can ask people. Yeah, that's a really good idea. If there's if there's anything that they think we could do to help or yeah. to stand up for them, because I don't, I don't know how to stand up. No. Do you know what I mean? And no. unless there was like a an actual event that we could go and stand with, mm. I don't know what I can do to stand up. Mm. Yeah. Um. So I guess that's it. So, yeah. Um. Thank you to the people who have left us reviews. Thank mm-hmm. you for that. That's yes. really sweet. We love you. I realise that we always say like, follow, blah, blah. We never actually tell people what our socials are. So um, our Facebook is I Don't Believe It Podcast. Yes. Our Instagram is... I Don't Believe It. They're pretty... And then we've got um, oh, Twitter? Twitter, which is it's I Don't Believe It, but without the O in don't because of character limits. IDNT Believe It. Yes. Um, and then we had set up TikTok, but... Um, I forgot the password. So <laughs> gonna make another one which has the same handle as the Twitter. Um and then we're gonna start posting on there. I hope by the time you hear this there'll be something on there. Mm, that'll um, be great. Mm. That'll be good. That'll be good. I'm gonna get an iPad so that I can edit things a bit easier because my phone's doing my fucking head in. <laughs> Um, you can also email us if you want to email us and tell us what we can do as allies that would be great. Um, oh yes please. The email is I don't believe it at gmail.com. And if you can, please do like uh, share, like, comment, anything that's or retweet or whatever, and just communicate with us on online. Um, yeah, we'd love the, to hear from you. Yeah, yeah. get the get the word word uh, commu- uh, communication okay. going. So Emma's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess on that note, we'll say goodbye. Goodbye, my pretties. Thank you. We love, love you. you. Goodbye. Now you believe it, now you believe it, the craziest thing that you'll ever hear. Now you believe it, now you believe it, you believe anything after.